Welcome to the Becoming Your Best podcast with Steve Schellenberger. You're listening to the show that is guaranteed to help you transform your life and achieve results that otherwise would have seemed difficult or even impossible. In each episode, you'll learn from someone who has achieved extraordinary goals. Steve is the number one national best-selling author. He's successfully started 11 businesses in three separate industries. He is a highly sought-after keynote speaker and corporate trainer for organizations around the world, an executive coach, the father of six, and the founder of Becoming Your Best Global Leadership. Here is Mr. Steve Schallenberger. Welcome to all of our Becoming Your Best podcast listeners, wherever you might be in the world today. This is your host, Steve Schallenberger, and today we have an amazing guest. Our guest knows the deepest of despair and pain and of making mistakes and some of the greatest joys of success of putting himself on the right track to be in a position to help and bless many people and be an extraordinary success in the process. So I'd like to welcome our guest today, Weldon Long. Thank you very much, Steve. I'm very happy to be here, and uh, this is a real privilege to get a chance to speak with you. Well, uh, I've just been looking forward to this so much, and uh, I I had the opportunity to meet Weldon about a month ago when we both spoke at a leadership academy in the San Francisco Bay Area. And uh, I'm so much looking forward to our listeners today uh, of hearing your story and about the experiences that you've gone through. Well, I appreciate that, and uh, as I say, it's my privilege and honor to to have this conversation with you. I enjoyed so much getting a chance to hear you speak uh, out of that conference, so uh, uh, just a a great honor to get a chance to talk with you some more. Well, thanks. Yeah, that was a lot of fun and a great group, wasn't it? Absolutely. Uh, Yeah, the the, uh, EGIA folks have done a great job in terms of being kind of uh, industry experts and uh, just uh, a wonderful group of professionals. Boy, I'll say, I've been impressed with the EGIA, the Electric Gas uh, Industries Association, which is a national group, and they're holding some leadership academies around the United States, and we've had the privilege of uh, being involved with that, and that was terrific. I love what they're doing with their group. All right, well, let's get right into it. Uh, well, as we get started today, Weldon, um, I'd like to tell our listeners a little bit about what you're doing today. He is a successful entrepreneur, sales expert, and author, and I might add a New York Times bestselling author of The Power of Consistency. And it's the prosperity mindset and training for sales and business professionals. It's a terrific book. And in 2003, he walked out of a homeless shelter and built an Inc. 5000 company with over 20 million in sales in just 60 months. Now imagine that. And today, Weldon Long is one of the nation's most powerful speakers and uh, a driven motivator who teaches others the sales and prosperity mindset philosophies that catapulted him from desperation and poverty to, to really a life of wealth and prosperity. Uh, he holds a bachelor's degrees, a degree and an MBA in management. And he's been honored to be able to serve some of America's finest companies. So with that, Weldon, let's start off by, uh, I wonder if you can just tell our listeners today, what was your background as a youth and as a young man? And that'll help kind of really set the stage for the things we're going to talk about today. 
absolutely, Steve. You know, and, and my life is kind of the embodiment of that old saying that it's not how you start in life, it's how you finish. And, you know, while this second half of my life uh, has been uh, really wonderful, it didn't start out that way. I was uh, a very misdirected, uh, malcontented youth, uh, really with a sense of entitlement. We, uh, I was the youngest of five kids, and my family moved around a lot, and um, I ended up dropping out of high school after just the ninth grade. And from that point on, my life really pretty much went off the rails until I was about 40 years old. I had 25 years of uh, just poverty, desperation, and struggle. And uh, you mentioned, uh, you know, walking out of that homeless shelter in 2003. And uh, really, you know, it's the, the trouble started many years before that in my early teens. And so very misdirected, ended up uh, by the time I was in my 20s, uh, getting in some uh, very serious situations, and uh, we can go into that in detail now if you prefer to wait a little uh, longer, but we can talk about, you know, kind of how that slide downhill uh, began, and then, of course, you know, bottoming out and, and skyrocketing towards uh, towards the uphill side of life. No, I, I think this is the perfect time to talk about that and share your experience and what happened in the background, and love to hear the story of of uh, that you shared about the experience you had with your father and and yep. how it changed you. And then I do have a few questions, too, because uh, I would expect that they, every parent worries about how do you direct children in the right way, and if they get off track, what advice would you have for them? But let's save that discussion for maybe a little bit later uh, in our visit. Sure, and I think the real, uh, the real practical part of my story is the real-life applications in life. But uh, just to kind of uh, you know illustrate the uh, or kind of get an overview of the story and uh, as I mentioned, I dropped out of high school in the ninth grade, and my life was pretty much, you know, uh, very uh, misdirected, undirected, whatever the word would be there. And uh, by the time I was 23 years old, my life looked pretty much like you would expect it to look uh, for a guy with a ninth grade education and really no focus and, you know, no, uh, no real plan for his life. And at 23 years old, out on the east side of Denver, Colorado in 1987, I was out trying to pawn a shotgun uh, to get rent money together. And I eventually learned I couldn't pawn the shotgun for enough money for the rent and ended up picking up uh, a fellow that was hitchhiking. And he and I uh, uh, just kind of rode around for a couple hours, ended up doing some drugs and a lot of drinking. And a couple of hours later, ended up using that shotgun to hold two innocent men at gunpoint. And so at 23 years old, I was on my way to prison. I had never been in trouble before, no serious criminal trouble. I was kind of a a garden variety loser, but no serious criminal <laughs> trouble. At, at 23 years old, I was on my way to prison and uh, was there for about four years. I got out at 27 years old, and uh, when I walked out of prison, you know, I was still a ninth grade high school dropout. Now I had a felony conviction, and at that point, at 27 years old, it seems like such a tender age today, but at that time, I thought my life was over. And so with no education and uh, no real future. Uh, I made it about two years and went back to prison a second time on parole violations and weapons charges. Served about two years on the parole violation. They let me out again. Now I was 30 years old, uh, two-time convicted felon, and uh, you know, no future, still that ninth grade education. Made it about two years and went back to prison a third time on federal money, money laundering and mail fraud charges. I had gotten a job uh, uh, in a telemarketing company, which turned out to be very, uh, you know, illegal work. And so at 32 years old, I went back to prison a third time 
And this third time, I would end up spending seven years back into custody. Wouldn't see the streets again until I was 40 years old and walked out to that homeless shelter that you alluded to earlier. Uh, however, on that third trip, uh, that third time back in prison, finally kind of had my moment of clarity. It was uh, uh, June 10th of 1996, and I was back in custody on that third trip, 32 years old. And on June 10th of 1996, I learned that my father had passed away okay, unexpectedly all right. at a very young age of 59 years old. And, you know, the realization that my father went to his grave knowing me as a punk and a loser and a, and a thug, really, uh, it really hit me like a ton of, ton of bricks, Steve. I mean, I, I just, the knowledge that he went to his grave with me in prison again, it devastated me. And so I made the decision on June 10th of 1996 that I was going to change the course of my life. Now, I didn't know where to start at that point uh, with a ninth grade education, a three-time convicted felon. And uh, so I just decided to start reading the writings and the work of the great thinkers and philosophers and business successes over the course of uh, really many generations. And my master plan was to do what they did, read what they did and do that. Don't try to overthink it. Don't try to reinvent the wheel. Just do it. And over the course of the next seven years, my mindset dramatically changed. My uh, character, my core values began to change. And seven years later, I walked out of prison to that homeless shelter. And as you mentioned, within just a few short years, I built a very successful company and you know, started writing books and taking that experience and the lessons I learned and using that to help drive uh, sales and business performance and really personal development across a lot of different, uh, a lot of different, uh, you know, platforms. Well, uh, that is quite a story. Uh, <laughs> wow. And, you know, I, one of the things that's really encouraging about that is we all have setbacks. We all have challenges, uh, but there's hope. I mean, we can find hope in our lives. And one of the things that I found in my research is, as I wrote uh, Becoming Your Best, or at least put in Becoming Your Best, the 12 Principles of Highly Successful Leaders, is the finding of what people did to really put their life on track and consistently be among the best. And it might be an individual or in a relationship or a company. But one of the things among those 12 is to establish a clear, inspiring vision. And as you described your story, you talked about developing your vision and how important that was. And, Absolutely. and so I'd like to have you just talk about that, what you put down in your vision. And because uh, this is so central, a vision really determines the direction. And it, and it is different than the goals, although it might they're similar in some respect, but it's, it's bigger because you keep resetting your goals. Uh, and, but it has an enormous impact because it allows us to program our thinking and change our thinking because you went through a huge change. Uh, so I wonder if you'd mind talking about that and what impact did you find that had on your life? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And I agree completely that that vision is kind of a much broader in, in scope. You know, when I uh, began to study uh, the, the great thinkers and writers, uh, I began to stumble across uh, a few concepts. And, and one in particular was, uh, and it's kind of embodied in the, in the Emerson quote, that we become what we think about all day long. And I remember reading that, and I remember reading a quote from Frederick Nietzsche that we attract that which we fear. I remember reading in the Bible that Job said, uh, that which I have feared has come upon me. 
I remember reading in uh, <laughs> uh, A Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl that fear may come true, and I begin to see this concept over and over and over again that the things we fear the most we tend to attract in our lives. So I sat there in my prison cell at 32 years old, just shortly after my father died, and I began to think, you know, what do I fear the most? Well, what I feared the most was living and dying in prison, uh, never having a home, never having a career, never having a family. I, I had managed on one of my trips out on parole to father a son, so I had a three-year-old son uh, when my father died in 1996 that I wouldn't see again for many, many years. And as I began to, to realize that my greatest fears were kind of showing up in my life, I realized that my thoughts, my ideas, my expectations, you know, they were escaping out of my head and showing up in my life. The things I feared the most were happening. And so I decided, well, I think probably what I should start doing is, you know, thinking about something else instead of thinking about all these horrible, you know, horrific things, start thinking about more productive things. What I like to say now, I started thinking about what I think about. And so I sat down at the little metal desk in my prison cell, and I wrote out my vision. I wrote out what a perfect life for me would look like. And I remember the first thing on that list was, I am an awesome father to my son. Now, of course, that wasn't true at the time, but it was my vision for the end game. I wrote on that sheet of paper, I am wealthy beyond my wildest dreams. I have successful companies. Uh, I have a, a beautiful wife I can love and trust. I have a, a home on Maui. I got the idea I wanted a home in Maui after reading one of Wayne Dyer's books. You know, and I, I tell people I didn't even know where Maui was. I thought Maui was in the Caribbean, you know, <laughs> but it sounded like such an amazing place. And so I put that on my list and all these amazing things. And the very last thing on my list was that I am a man of honor, character, and integrity. Now, you can imagine at 32 years old, a three-time convicted felon, a ninth-grade high school dropout, facing seven more years in prison, that I was a very unlikely prospect to achieve any of those things. Uh, nonetheless, I wrote them out on a sheet of paper. I uh, put uh, toothpaste on the back of that sheet of paper, and I stuck it to the wall in my prison cell. And that became my vision. That became you know, the, the, the vision, the dream for my life. And every single day, Steve, I would get up and I would review that list. First thing in the morning, I would read it. I would imagine what it would be like to be that person, to have that life. And little by little, not realizing what I was doing, I was literally changing the neurology of my brain, the neural connectors. And, and those became the expectations. As I went through the course of my days, which turned into months and years, those things on that wall uh, came to guide my decisions. You know, in other words, if I had a decision to make, even in prison, if it was not consistent with that list, then I didn't do it. If it was consistent with that list, then I did it. And month by month, and the years began to roll by, and seven years later, when I walked out of prison at 40 years old to that shelter, my mind was completely changed. My spirit, my, uh, my, my, my values, my heart had changed. And I was so committed to achieving that vision, it became another part of my DNA. It became another, another uh, you know, just another cell in my body. It just became a part and parcel of who I was. And so I went out there, and within just a few short years, everything on that list came to pass, Steve. I, I got a job. I built a successful career in business. I got out in 2003. Within about six months, I got custody of my son, who by that time was 10 years old. And by the way, today he's 23 years old. He's uh, attending college at University of Colorado. He was just actually down yesterday. We spent the day together doing some business planning for, for his future. And the beautiful homes in Maui and family, and all these amazing things. Everything on that list came to pass. I ended up getting my GED and a bachelor's degree and a master's degree in business. 
everything on that vision, everything on that list came to pass within just a few short years of, of walking out of prison. So, you know, as you say, Steve, it is part and parcel of who we are. We have to have a clear vision. And I incorporate that in my work today in the power of consistency is based on an acronym of fear. And that, that, that F in fear is focus. You know, get clear on what we want. Get clear on the end game, whether it's business or, as you mentioned, personal relationships, health and fitness, whatever it is. Get clear on the end game. It's such an important part of success and clearly was an important part of my story. Oh, that is so inspiring and such a great example of that. And sometimes when uh, when I'm working with a client, uh, uh, I'll uh, visit with employees and I'll say, do you have a company vision? And they'll point over on the wall and say, yeah, there it is. It's up on the wall. <laughs> Right. Well, we like to say, well, that's not a vision, that's an ornament, and there's a big difference. Because, that's a great point. It's a great analogy. That's not a vision, that's an ornament. Uh, exactly. And, and what, what you've done is that this vision has to be in your heart and in your mind, and it has to be something that's compelling and inspiring for you so that it moves you and it affects your behavior in the future. And so for our listeners, as you develop on this, as you to develop this and contemplate the future, it applies to someone uh, in the circumstances like Weldon just described. Uh, it applies in your personal life, in a relationship, or certainly in a business. So thank you for sharing that example. Well, I'm happy to do so. And it, and it really is, uh, there's so many real-life applications, whether in a personal, uh, a personal development context or a business development context, the principles of getting clear on the outcome are, are just so important. And as you mentioned, you know, it can't be just an ornament on the wall. It's got to be something that we really embrace and live so that it drives our daily decisions. Perfect, perfect. Uh, I'd like to, while we're on this subject, just get your thoughts on one other item, Weldon. Um, I mean, you know what it's like to be in the depths of despair. And if someone gets to that point in life, how in the world can they turn things around and get to a, a, a much better place in life? Yeah, that's, a, that's another great question, Steve. And, uh, you know, I do a lot of work in addition to my business development and you know, kind of the primary focus of what I speak on and write about today is, you know, business development, the sales in particular. But I do a lot of volunteer work in prisons and jails. Uh, here, the juvenile system in Colorado, the adult offender system here in Colorado, and the Federal Bureau of Prisons. In fact, just as an aside, there's a a program at the federal prison uh, level now called Doing Time with the Right Mind. And the two books that serve as the curriculum for that program are my first book, which is called The Upside of Fear, and Stephen R. Covey's book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. They've kind of blended those two concepts and, uh, and developed a really wonderful program. But in terms of my speaking in prisons and people that have reached that despair, and not necessarily jail, it could be financial despair, it could be a divorce, could be a bankruptcy, could just be, you know, tight, tight uh, cash flow in your business, you know, like, can I make payroll this week? I think the most important thing for me personally is that we take 100% responsibility for how we got there. I live my life, Steve, by a very simple acronym, CPA, and it stands for cause, permit, and allow. I believe that I cause, permit, and allow everything that happens in my life. And so whether it's a business situation, a personal situation, even if we've been offended by others, even if we've been aggrieved and, you know, hurt by others, and maybe they have some, you know, share in the responsibility as well, if we can just focus on our responsibility, our part of it, 
you know, when my father died in 1996, uh, I was at a point in my life where I was blaming the judges and the prosecutors and the ex-wife and all these different people. And once I turned that, uh, that focus into inside, internally, that I was responsible for my situation, my life was a reflection of the decisions that I had made, then that was the, the very first step towards turning everything around. And sometimes that can be, uh, that can be very difficult, as your dear friend Stephen Covey used to often say that responsibility means we have the ability to respond, you know, and that we have to be able to see our role in these situations. And as I tell people very often, I would rather assume responsibility for something that I'm not responsible for, because at least then I can fix it, than I would take the risk of not assuming responsibility for something I was responsible for. I feel like if we could just see our role in every situation, even if other people have acted worse than we have, even if other people have contributed to our situation, if we can just stay focused on our, our participation in that, in our role in that bad situation, we've taken a huge first step towards getting out of it. Okay, well, that's perfect. And, and uh, you know, the take responsibility is so liberating, isn't it? Oh, it certainly is. You know, when I realized that, that if I took responsibility for my decisions and I realized that better decisions you know, guaranteed a better life. It meant that I didn't have to get smarter. I didn't have to get luckier. Uh, I didn't have to get taller or thinner or better looking or anything. I didn't have to like, you know, act like my felonies never happened because even your past doesn't have to define, you know, your present or your future. If I could just take responsibility for my decisions, even I could make better decisions in that situation. And as I began to make better decisions, Uh, you're exactly correct in that it was so liberating, like, wow, better decisions guarantee a better outcome. And I'm in control of that. No one else around me, not the prison guards, not the ex-wife, not the judges, no one. No one can impact what's inside my head and the choices that I make. Okay, that's terrific. All right, now let's just talk about the business aspect and, and how you're helping people in that area. Virtually every salesperson or business person in the world today is looking for ways to be more successful, and to improve their chances for moving their game up. So you've written a really terrific book, and I'd encourage our readers, especially if you're in the sales business, to look this book up, The Power of Consistency, uh, to help people succeed, and, and particularly in sales. So tell us about The Power of Consistency. Well, you know, when you think about sales, there are three really vital components. And, and listen, sales uh, is the industry that picked me up and dusted me off and gave me another chance at life. I attribute all of my professional success, uh, you know, the financial prosperity, all those things to the industry, to the profession of sales. When you think about sales, you've got really three components in my mind. You know, in the center of that, you've got the sales process itself. And many people have been to training, they purchase books, they go to whatever trainings, they get the sales process. But there are two bookends on either side of the sales process that if we don't have, we're not going to really reach our potential. One of those bookends is consistency, doing those things that we're supposed to do on a consistent basis. In other words, the sales function, the sales activities, we have to do those things on a consistent basis. Right. We know right. what to do. As I often say, success is not a knowledge problem. It's an implementation problem. So the consistency is one bookend of the sales process and successful sales. The other bookend is uh, the prosperity mindset. Uh, the product, uh, the, the book, the, the content, 
that you referred to, uh, the power of consistency. You know, and the power of consistency is the, the prosperity mindset to be successful in sales and in business. And when I talk about prosperity mindset, Steve, I'm talking about the mindset that is programmed and geared to thrive in the face of challenges, to prosper in the face of adversity. You know, if you think about a career in sales, 90% of the problem is managing the emotional peaks and valleys of a professional sales career. How do we learn to thrive in the face of challenges? Because we're always going to have customers who want to get multiple bids. They want to get a cheaper price. They want to think about it. They want to mull over it for a couple of weeks. We all have these challenges. How am I successful in the face of those challenges? That's what the prosperity mindset is all about. And it's really built around the acronym of FEAR. FEAR is the acronym for FOCUS, Emotional Commitment, Action, and Responsibility. And through a very simple process of working through those four steps, we can examine the contents of our mind, our expectations, our basic beliefs and decisions. We can examine them and find out what's consistent with what I want today and you know, what's maybe kind of you know, worn out and not consistent with what I want today. How do I get rid of the bad stuff and build on the good stuff and stay focused every single day on executing on that vision you referred to earlier? So that fear process is a very simple model to help us think about what we think about, to get very clear on what we want, get deeply emotionally committed to that vision, take consistent action towards those things, and then, of course, assume responsibility for the results in our decisions uh, as we go through that process. So that's really the process I teach the salespeople to help them really reach their potential in the profession. All right, so let me be sure if I've got this down here. All right, see if I'm, I'm, I'm a good listening student. So you, <laughs> you got to be focused, right? Yep. And emotionally feel what you want to do. In other words, emotionally get into it and get, uh, talk about that part a little bit more. And then the action and then take responsibility for where you're going to get. Is that right? Absolutely. So if you look at my personal story as a kind of example, and I have you know, could use this in business examples, my personal story serves as an example. The first thing I did was get focused, right? And that was that list I wrote out and stuck on the wall of myself right? Uh, and myself. The second component was the emotional commitment. You know, in Think and Grow Rich, uh, Napoleon Hill wrote that we need a burning desire. Got to have a burning desire to achieve you know, that definite purpose. All right, so and it's so one, thing to have commitment, it, one thing to have it written, but then you right. got to get it in your heart, huh? Exactly. And that process, I teach what I call a quiet time ritual, which is basically 10 to 15 minutes a day, taking that plan, in my case, that plan that was on my wall, and taking a few minutes every single day to review that plan, to imagine what it would like to have, be like to have that life, to, to, to live that life, to be that person, Allow yourself to get excited about it. Allow yourself to experience it emotionally, you know, not just, you know, logically, but emotionally, as you said, get it down to the heart. What would it be like for a guy like me sitting in prison in 1996? What would it feel like for me to be an awesome father, to have a life of wealth and prosperity, to be a man of character and honor? Get excited about those things. Get deeply emotionally connected. And we do that by reviewing it for a few minutes every single day, you know, write it out, Review it for a few minutes every single day. The third step, action, is, of course, where the rubber meets the road. You know, as Will Rogers once said, even if you're on the right path in life, you'll get run over if you just sit there. But here's the amazing thing. Once you get deeply emotionally committed to the things on your vision list, or what I call a prosperity plan, once you get deeply emotionally committed to those each morning for a few minutes, then it's amazing how the actions automatically start happening because of a little factor in our personalities and our brain chemistry 
called cognitive dissonance. And for your listeners, dissonance is the anxiety that we feel when we don't do something that we said we would. So in other words, if I have written out on a sheet of paper uh, that I'm reviewing every single day, that I eat only healthy and nutritious foods, I exercise three times per week, and then I go out that afternoon and I have a cheeseburger for lunch, my <laughs> body is going to feel dissonance, anxiety. Why? Because I told myself that morning I ate healthy and nutritious foods. So the body wants to get rid of that dissonance. It wants to get rid of that anxiety. Well, how do we do that? We have to start doing the thing we said we would do. Yeah, doing the right and things. Exactly. You do the right thing, and then your body gets in a state of resonance, and we start feeling integrated. We start feeling you know, consistent with our thoughts and our actions. So if you review the plan every single day, you know, Mother Nature will automatically start driving those actions. Otherwise, you're going to feel horrible. You're going to tell yourself your life is one thing in the morning and then go out and live a different life each day. You're not going to be very happy in that situation. And the fourth step, as you mentioned, responsibility, that really is about taking responsibility for our, our decisions. The reality is bad things happen to good people. But you know, uh, the good news is, is that our life is not a reflection of our problems. Our life is a reflection of our decisions about our problems. As I tell people often today, my life is not, you know, where it is. I'm not in this situation because I went to prison for 13 years and because I dropped out of high school in the ninth grade. My life is where it is today because I began to make better decisions about those circumstances. Better right. decisions guarantee better results absolutely okay well that's great well the uh, hopefully all of our listeners will never see fear the same way again in the future and when they see fear what they'll think is smashing right through it with focus emotion action and responsibility we'll just absolutely. kick it out there <laughs> <laughs> just kick well it out. well then thank i can't believe how time fast is how fast time has gone today but thank you for being part of this show and uh, before we leave today, though, how can our listeners learn more about what you're doing? Uh, I mean to tell you, uh, Weldon has uh, just a treasure trove of resources available to help you. Tell us about some of those. Yeah, thank you so much for bringing that up. Uh, first of all, I'd like to mention I have a new book coming out this fall called The Invincible Sales Professional. And it's really about the sales process and what are the, the activities, what are the things we do on a sales call to generate success? Uh, in terms of getting more information, there's really two websites. Uh, my general website is weldonlong.com, W-E-L-D-O-N-L-O-N-G.com. Uh, they can get information on speaking and the books and different things. Uh, but I have another site as well for, for those in the contracting industry, really anybody who does in-home sales, which is a little different from maybe you know real estate sales or car sales or appliance sales, but Anybody that goes in the home and what I call kitchen table sells, anybody who teaches or sells rather at the kitchen table. And that website is the hbacksalesacademy.com, H-B-A-C, salesacademy.com. They can get a lot of content. They can sign up at either one of those websites for weekly sales tips. We do uh, uh, video sales tips each week. They can sign up there and get those uh, absolutely complimentary and uh, a lot of information in the books and training programs, et cetera, et cetera, speaking schedule, which, uh, again, just uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing you down in Destin this week because uh, what a great series of events that EGIA is hosting. Okay, well, we'll look forward to it. And, uh, Weldon, we wish you all the best as you continue to make a difference in the world. Well, thank you so much, Steve, and I appreciate your really uh, legacy of uh, of inspiration and teaching and training and 
just really uh, uh, all the, the inspiration, hope, and training, and uh, just great support that you give folks and have for many, many years. Well, thank you. And to all of our listeners, never forget, you too can make a difference every single day of your life. I'm Steve Schallenberger with Becoming Your Best Global Leadership, wishing you a great day. thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Becoming Your Best podcast. We want to know what your big takeaways were, so head on over to becomingyourbest.com and you can find all the information about the podcast right there as well as the show notes page where we'd love to hear what you thought about each and every single episode. Also, if you haven't done so yet, please go subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and leave a rating and review. A rating interview is by far the best way for you to show your appreciation for the show because it helps other people find out about the show and decide if this is the podcast for them. So now it's all in your hands. It's time for you to go out there to take action and truly start becoming your best.